It's Carter and Dave's Magical Movie Hour! Wait, where's Han? Don't worry about it. You're listening to Dragon Radio. This is Dave and Han's Magical Movie Hour. Hey guys, welcome back to Hamas Sea Dragon Radio. Uh, this is your weekly edition of David Haynes' Magical Movie Hour. And as you can tell by the intro, Hayne is missing in action. Once again, indisposed. Once again. And I will gladly co host yep. once fr- again. Friend Cardarakis. Yep. Uh, yep, he gladly accepted my invitation. So yep, here we go. Great to be here. Yeah. Big uh, week. Big I know. week. It's a lot of things are happening with the election being a huge thing on everybody's mind. We still don't know if we're going to have a new president or what the deal is yet, and it's I know it's a lot of it's a lot of crazy things are happening in the past 48 hours. I'm just very anxiety-ridden way. week, very anxiety-ridden year. Oh yeah. Yes. Well, the good thing is uh I think we're close to an answer on who the next pre- president's going to be. Yes, let's hope so. Hopefully in the next year or so we'll find out because the votes are close to being uh counted. Get, yep. You counted all, they're close to being finished, I should say. Mhm. So, yeah, we should know. All right. So, enough with politics for the show. <laughs> uh so let's get into the news if I can find that jingle. Uh Nope, can't find it. No, whatever, we'll go without it. Oh, found it. This is David and Hayes Magical Movie Hour with the news. All right, so I, I guess we'll give you guys an update on the uh, radio drama. Uh, not much progress has been made, but it will be released eventually. Uh, all, all I really have on that. Uh, next piece of news, which is pretty big. Sean Connery uh, died on October 31st. Halloween. W- woke up that morning and and I knew I was like David, this is gonna be big, big for big for David. Yeah. Very sad. He, you're one of your heroes. Am I oh, right? Yeah, he, w- yeah. he was. Definitely a inspiration. Uh, yeah, he was a great James Bond. He, Still the best in my the mind. Best one, yeah. Yes. He was in a number of great films. And uh, uh, he will, and we were actually going to be talking about him later in the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just thought it would be a great tribute to him if we, you know, dedicated the topic and the movie of the week to Connery. Absolutely. He was a giant in the industry. And a knight. Oh, yeah, he he was knighted in 2000. Yep. So there's actually a couple James Bond actors that were knighted. There was Roger Moore and Sean Connery. Oh, really? Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, it's yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about that. Were they knighted around the same time? I think so, but for different reasons because Roger Moore was associated with the UNICEF uh, organization. Mm-hmm. So I and Connery just for his contributions to cinema. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, <laughs> what a legend! All right, I think that's all we have. Uh, you know, it's it's too bad, uh, but he lived to the age of ninety. He lived it to the fullest. Yeah, a long life. Yep. So Good he, long life. He prospered very well. Okay, so moving on to to more of the news type of things. 
Disney ha- have removed their uh, couple films from their December release dates, uh, Death on the Nile and Free Guy. Uh, apparently, there's no new dates that have been announced as of now. They don't They don't want to do the home release this no, winter? I suppose not. Uh, I got to have something to watch over Christmas. Come on now. Well, you got Soul. Yeah, that's true. That and uh, Wonder Woman, I think, is still happening. Yeah. And Coming to America 2, which we still don't have a trailer, but... Really? Yeah. It's supposed to be coming out on so, Amazon Prime. So there's been nothing, like no footage or anything released? No. None. Oh, wow. Who's directing it? Not John Landis. Some other guy. Ooh. You gotta yeah. have John Landis in there. I know. That'd be the dream, but whatever. Yeah, Um, I was actually kind of looking forward to watching Death on the Nile. Uh, I don't think that's been adapted as many times as Murder on the Ori- Orient Express. What, what were, did you like the the first one, the Murder on the Orient Express? I still haven't seen the the newer the one. The 2017 one? No, I've yeah. only seen the yeah, 74. This is a sequel to that. It's mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh. So, yeah, it, it would have been good. No, I, I don't think it would be anything too special, but it would be a fun movie to watch. It would be entertaining. Yeah. You know, just something to uh, distract us from the virus. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then Free Guy was like a... Have you seen the trailers? For I, yeah, I have. I I, I did want to see that movie. I was really kind of looking forward to to getting around to it, but it's they keep having to push it back like everything yeah. else, and it's a bummer. So Free Guys is that supposed to be like a kind of set in a he, video game? Yeah. So Ryan Reynolds plays like a a non playable character that gets that sort of takes takes charge and starts being the hero of this whatever game he's in. I don't know the the full story, but it's something along those lines, it, and it looks to be. More of a comedy, so mm-hmm. which is, um, I think the right idea for that concept. So yeah, it'd be yeah, it looks really entertaining. Reynolds does a lot of comedy, so it's not surprising. No, it's not surprising. All right, that's I think that's all we got on that. Uh, Tenant will be coming to Blu-ray on December fifteenth. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I don't think I would feel any need to pick this one up. Really, oh, I mean, right. I, I would like to watch it again to. See if I can finally understand what the plot was, but otherwise, uh, no, I don't think it really has a place on my shelf. Okay, so it wasn't top-tier Nolan for no, you? No, nope. Not yet, at least, after one watch. Okay, uh, I still... You still haven't seen it? I still haven't seen it, no. You said you are going to get around to I'm it, sorry, man. I'll... Well, I mean, I guess now West Acres is closed, so you can't even, but... I, could, I think I could go to Century, but... Okay. I don't know. Uh, I'll just watch it whenever. Yep. <laughs> Get it from Redbox when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I think that the this that date applies to also Tenet being released on like streaming services as well. Uh, as in like for rental, or are they gonna? Pr- yeah. Okay, yeah. From the article I read. That would have been interesting if they decided to put it on Netflix, though. They're not doing that. No, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So. Also, do you have what do you do you have the um the news about Johnny Depp? Basically being fired from uh, the Fantastic Beasts movies. No, I I haven't seen that. Uh, just today, uh, he was like asked to resign by Warner Brothers because of all the drama going on with him and his his ex wife now Amber Heard. Like he he was being sued. F- he was he was suing a newspaper for um basically for that for he he thinks that they were being unfair to him. So he was suing this one newspaper, and then he lost that lawsuit, and so. Because of that stain on his public image, Warner Brothers wants him to step down, and so he did. Oh boy! 
So now the third Fantastic Beasts movie is in jeopardy, delayed, and doesn't have a Grindelwald. Honestly, I don't. I don't think that many ca- people care about that. No, movie. I never cared. I saw the f- the first Fantastic Beasts movie and I kind of hated it. Actually, oh, I actually I fell asleep in the theater watching it. There you go. And I never watched number two. So, yeah, the first one was so boring. It just this guy in New York, and you know the premise. Why does it exist? Exactly. Why do we need that? Like, it has nothing to do with Harry Potter other than it's set 80 years before. And I guess Dumbledore is a character in yep. the second one? Yes. Okay, but who really cares? Why is, like, why is this series just J.K. Rowling just milking, milking that little yeah. cash cow? She's writing the scripts, too, now. Yep. I don't know. It's, it's really disappointing because I know, you know, I really liked the uh, the original Harry Potter films. Oh, of course. And then it's like when you go to Fantastic Beats, it's like so... Huge drop in quality. I know. Yeah. What does Noelle think of the Fantastic Beast movies? I haven't talked to her about it. I don't know. I've, I think I've asked her before. Yeah. And she's never really given me an answer. Because <laughs> to all you listening out there, our friend Noelle, um, she's obsessed with Harry Potter. And last year, when we were all in the dorms, she would watch one of the Harry Potter movies every single night. So she would just like go on a cycle of watching one through eight during the week and then repeat repeat that cycle every week and I, I i don't know if she got around to fantastic beasts though or not i think that was excluded from the cycle yeah as it, as they should be yeah but yeah now johnny depp he's out of it yeah, poor yeah. guy yeah it's it's too bad it's, it. he's going through a rough time yeah his career isn't isn't really going anywhere now not really nope okay so lionsgate has laid off 15 percent of their Film division employees, thanks to the virus. 15%? Mm-hmm. That's rough. Yeah. I don't know. It just... It seems like every day when I go on the internet, some it's like something... Some bad news always associated with the virus now. Well, yeah. It's getting progressively worse and worse, and here we are still struggling, so... Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Things were things were looking better, like, in the, in the summer, it seemed like. Just a little bit. They were looking up... A little bit, but still, the the problem is not being properly dealt with, so it's affecting every industry, and the movie industry pretty hard as well. Every movie that's that's resumed production seems like they it's had to stop several times. Like for for example, Batman, because people keep getting the virus, or yeah, it's just it's just not good. Hard to hard to work under these conditions. Oh, it is, yeah, definitely, uh, especially due to how contagious it is too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really a shame that like everything's being affected it by it some some in some way. Yep. And it seems like the film industry is not it's going to have a hard time recovering. Well, theaters definitely will have a very tough time recovering. That's for sure. Yeah. AMC is going to go under. Marcus, I think, is going under. Oh, Marcus too. I think so. Yeah, it's it's looking pretty tough for theaters. I mean, we knew this was happening. I just didn't know it'd be at this accelerated of a rate. I thought we'd still have another five, ten years of. Of theaters in full swing, but I don't know, man. Well, hopefully they'll hold out. Yeah. I, mean, I, I heard George Lucas said something in an interview lately about how um, theaters are going to become like the new football games or baseball games where it's like a, a special event to go out and you pay top dollar for a seat and snacks and all that. And it's like a special event rather than just watching it from home. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen because yeah. I haven't been able to go to a Vikings game for so many years. Because the price, yeah. Yeah, it's like you. At US I've Bank. never been. I would have loved to have gone to a Vikings oh, game, too. but the prices are so outrageous. Especially at their at US Bank Stadium, if if you want to have like a 
a nosebleed seat like way up there it's like maybe if you're lucky sixty dollars mm-hmm. i mean you could that that is just insane why can't you just lower the prices a little bit honestly yeah I mean, at least baseball games, though, you can get standing room tickets for, like, 15 bucks, which well, isn't too bad. But nobody cares about baseball anymore. Hey. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's not like I go that often, but that's 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 what I – that's my preferred sport, so. I see yeah. how it is. Yep. Sorry. Anyways, that's what George Lucas is saying is in store for movie theaters, that they'll still be around but in very, very limited numbers, and they'll be charging much higher prices for tickets and, and uh, concessions. Okay, yeah. Well, they already did charge pretty high prices for concessions, but that's t- true. tickets maybe. Ten bucks for popcorn? Outrageous. I remember I was sitting in the theater a, n- a few years ago. I was watching like the ads before a movie, and then there was like some ad where it's like, oh, look at this special deal. You'll get a kid's pack, you know, a drink, popcorn, and a little snack for 25 bucks. Was, what a great deal. I'm like, what? Well, in reality, to, to make all that, it's probably just like $2. Yeah. yeah. Popcorn, I know for a fact, it costs just like twenty five cents for a large popcorn to 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 make it. Oh wow, it's very cheap popcorn seeds. Yeah. So then, I usually resort to the smuggling in food. Yep, that's a good. That's never a bad idea. That's what I do sometimes as well. But just sometimes that movie theater popcorn though, it's it's you can't really recreate that with microwave popcorn. So sometimes it's worth to splurge a bit. In fact, funny story, uh, when I went to see Fantastic Beasts 2, yep. uh, this was during the winter, so I could get away with it. I I went through the drive-thru and I got McDonald's, you know, like a Big Mac, uh, fries, and, uh, and a drink. I put, shoved them into my coat and just, I, I was able to smuggle them into the theater. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I, I wasn't there for this, but this is back in Eden Prairie, and mm-hmm. David went to see it with our friend Andrew, who was on the show last week. Uh, so I've, I've heard about this story and how you were, you had a... A very bad coughing fit as well. Let me just say this is this was uh, a few years before COVID, so yeah. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't really that contagious, I don't think. <laughs> so uh, everything was good. I'm, I wasn't yep. being irresponsible or anything. Nope, just irritating. <laughs> That's it, just irritating. Okay, so last piece of news: uh, SpongeBob Sponge on the Run was released on Netflix yesterday. Oh, was it really? With the exception of Canada and the United States. Oh. Of course. So the rest of the world got. That's how it. isn't that how it goes? Yep. Same thing happened with Uncut Gems. At, well, now it's on Netflix in the U.S. But at the beginning of the year, they dropped Uncut Gems on Netflix everywhere else in the world besides the U.S. Mm-hmm. It was irritating. Yeah, we're always yeah. like the last to uh, see that. They never movie. let us get the goods. Nope. I mean, not that I'm really excited for the SpongeBob movie. I totally forgot about it. But if it was on Netflix for free, I'd watch it. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, the funny thing is, out today I was like digging for news headlines. It didn't seem like there's that much out there, so yeah, I was really like, okay, well, what can I find here? All right, SpongeBob, let's put this in. Yep. But uh, yeah, uh, what do you think of Sponge Out of Water? That the second one? one, the second one, yeah, the second one, really mediocre. Uh, as SpongeBob has been for the last 15 years, just the comedy level is not quite what it used to be when Steven Hillenburg was oh, yeah. in charge and the head writer. It's just uh, not very funny anymore. First three seasons were at its peak. Oh, at its absolute peak. And then after the the first movie, then it went completely downhill. Yeah. Very mediocre. Not that I have, like, a problem with it. I wouldn't say it's terrible. It's just I think it's uh, just not that. Not as memorable or no. iconic, you could nope. say. Uh, because maybe 
after season four and five, it like, had some of the quality, but then it started to waver a little bit, I suppose. Yep, definitely. Because uh, when did Hillenburg leave, you know? He left after the first movie. That was like after 2004, four or five. Two, 2004, so that okay. would have been ap- after the third season. Oh, that's why. Yep. Okay. All right, so that's about it for the news segments. So coming up, we'll be discussing our movie of the week, which will be Hunt for Red October, and then the which will be followed by our topic, which is just Sean Connery and films. So stay tuned. Kane here. I got an important announcement for you. Dave and Haynes is on Spotify and YouTube. Just search Dave and Haynes Magical Movie Hour. Listen to old episodes, or maybe even rewatch or <laughs> listen to this one again, and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to Dave and Haynes Magical Movie Hour on KMSC Dragon Radio, 1500 AM with special guest host, Carter Rockus. Indeed. All right, let's get down to it. So, our movie of the week this week will be Hunt for Red October. The Hunch for Red October. <laughs> this was directed by John McTiernan and is based on the Tom Clancy Jack Ryan novel. That's right. So, w- would you say this is probably the, the best out of the Jack Ryan films? I definitely think so. Um, I just find it the most engaging story out of any of them. I mean... I'm not one who really um, is engaged with reading Tom Clancy or those types of thrillers, but mm-hmm. like the I call them like the airport thriller. But The Hunt for Red October is a, is a really good story, and it's a, a great film that's very well directed, very well acted. Um, and Alec Baldwin, I think, is the best Jack Ryan because when when Harrison Ford took over, like they kind of it seemed like they didn't quite know what to do with him. They were trying to make him more of an action hero. Because that's what Harrison Ford's kind of known for, but that's mm-hmm. not what the character is. And then when you did Ben Affleck, it's like, eh, don't you don't really work for this. No. And Chris Pine also, he seem he seems like he's um, more suitable for like an action role, but yeah. ja- that's not what Jack Ryan is really. So no, because uh, for those of you who don't know, Jack Ryan is a CIA analyst. That's right, and he just finds himself in situations that are kind of over his head, and yeah. Actually, I've uh, watched interviews with Harrison Ford describing how uh, he knows that Jack Ryan isn't really of a man of action. Um, uh, I don't know how well this was conveyed through his films, maybe because Ryan was in more action scenes mm-hmm. um, than uh, Alec Baldwin. But yeah, I, I do think Ford made it a point where it's like he's yeah he's more uh, he's more of an analyst guy. He's like behind the scenes where it's like if he finds himself in an action scene, he doesn't really he doesn't really do that well. Mm-hmm. Compared like to Indiana Jones or any of his other characters, right? And what I also think is interesting about the Hunt for October is that like it's not even really marketed as having Jack Ryan as the main character. It's no, it, like Sean Connery is on, on all the posters and all the it's it says like starring Sean Connery, he, even though he's like the captain of the Russian submarine. He's not uh, he's not the the necessarily the main character. Yeah, and what I love about the film is that you don't know if. Uh, because the Connery's character's name is Captain Ramius. Uh-huh. You don't know if he's going to the U.S. to either defect or to uh, attack. Attack. So it's really great. Like the first like two acts, pretty much, it's like you don't know what his intentions are exactly. Very mysterious. Yeah. That's what's so great about this film. It's like you're kind of like with the Americans and the Russians. Like they, 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 even they don't know what's going on. Yeah, tensions are high. That's what makes it a good movie. And then John McTiernan's directing too is 
fantastic as it is in Die Hard and yeah. What else has he directed again? Uh, Die Hard, Die Hard Three. This film he directed Predator. Predator, yeah, that's right. Uh, Medicine Man, I believe. That's not his, one of his more. That's another Sean Connery, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and a couple others that are not very well known, but I I know he. I thought there was another big action movie though in the '90s that he did, but maybe not. Uh, I'm not too sure. I would have to yeah. look it up. Anyways, though, um, another thing that this movie is well known for is uh, Sean Connery playing a Russian, but still doing his Scottish accent and still being able to pull it off. Yep, still being legendary. Yeah, still being an icon. Oh yeah, and then Sam Neill is also in this too. That's right. Yes, it's actually got a, a really good cast: James Earl Jones, um, Scott Glenn. Oh yeah, is in it. You really liked yeah. him from the Right Stuff. The Right Stuff is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Yeah, just this cast is pretty stacked if you think about it. It really is. Um, and I remember, like, I read something like, uh, t- like the book that this is based on by Tom Clancy, The Hunt for October. Um, like when that when that book came out in the '80s, he, the author was like, briefed by the CIA or like some some officials in the Reagan administration because they were concerned about how accurate it was to, yeah. in terms of technical details. Like they're like, how did you? How are you able to write about all this with such accuracy? Like, what what do you know? What secrets do you know? And really, <laughs> kind of sketchy, yeah. <laughs> but wow. but I I'm, I tried to actually read that book. I got a hundred uh, about a hundred pages into it, and I think it's five hundred six hundred pages, and I just couldn't do it. There's just so much technical jargon about submarines and missiles, and it just no. was not really for me. But it's still I have to, you know, applaud the the craftsmanship and the story is is still great. It's yeah. just a little too um, overblown with those details. So you feel like it would have been a better novel if it was written in a different way? If it focused more on the characters, yeah. Okay. So you think that movie did it better in that aspect? I believe so. It's been a couple years since I've since I've seen the movie, but I would say I would say so for sure. Like for for to make an entertaining action movie, they definitely had to. Uh, juice up the action a little more and make the characters more in the foreground than just like talking about political or military strategy. Yeah. You know. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, one other thing I really, that's great about this film is the score by Basil Paldurus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a number of Russian operatic, uh, cues. If I remember that, that's what, how the movie opens, right? Yeah. Yeah. With like a Russian, the Russian anthem or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the music's top notch, uh, and it's really hard to make a great film in a very confined space as well. It, it does it's give you thing. the movie gives you a good sense of like the claustrophobia of being yeah. a submarine because it looks very cramped. Everybody's kind of sweaty throughout the whole movie, and it just just uh, kind of gives you a little bit of that anxiety of, oh, I don't know if I could be underwater for six months like those guys do. Yeah, they really toughed it out. Yep. <coughs> COVID. Oh, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm alright. Okay, yeah, my dad and I really quote this all the time too. Like, oh yeah, you gonna do a quote? Is a Connery quote or is it? You want me to do a quote? Yeah, do a Connery quote. Uh, let's see. This is gonna take a second. Um, what books did you write? Pardon me. What books? Uh, not a biography by Admiral Halsey on the Fighting Sailor. I know this book. The conclusions were all wrong, Ryan. How does he acted stupidly? Once more, we play our dangerous game. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's in the movie somewhere. That is. Yeah. <laughs> this time with the Americans. Yeah. 
I, I actually can do a pretty fair Connery impression. Sean but I this, Connery. I got this mask on, so. It, well, the mask just kind of enhan- can, enhances the shh. shh yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. Sean Connery, the hunch for the October's. Give him a good slap. <laughs> you heard that quote where, where he's talking about his wife or something. He's like, when uh, she gets yeah. out of line, you just give him a good slap. It's like, Sean, what are you, what are yeah. you doing, pal? I've seen the interview too with uh, yeah. Barbara Walters. Yeah. I pal, don't what are you doing? Yeah. Different generation, I guess, but it's still pretty sketchy. <laughs> uh, all right, Carter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sketchy. I know it is. Uh, all right, it's still great actor though. Great actor. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to say about this film that what, what do you like about it? Um, well, I would just say that, uh, like I said, it's been a couple years since I've seen it, but it's, it's a great story. Um, the, the action is really well done. The acting, the cast is fantastic. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a step outside of Sean Connery's normal role. It's not like, that's something that people don't really realize is that, um, like he can do a lot more than just like the typical leading man action hero. Yeah. Like he in this he's sort of a conflicted, um, complex you know Russian naval commander who's who is trying to decide where his loyalties lie and and he's kind of keeping his motives hidden, mm-hmm. which which and he does a great job of conveying all that I think. Oh yeah, he's he's phenomenal. I don't, yeah. I don't see anybody else doing that. No. What What about you? What would you say about the hunt for October? Uh, just the uh, tension in every scene is maintained. Uh, I really love the uh, this the close call scenes where it's like the the Red October is all almost sunk, but they barely escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, or yeah. the scene where Alec Baldwin is trying to get onto the American submarine, so they oh, yeah, like I remember that. W- they haul him out with a helicopter and try to drop him in the water, and it's yeah, it's like cheese the the links that they that they have to go to in this film to. To get a hold of the situation, mm-hmm. and I remember uh, that one scene where uh, El- Jack Ryan's in the uh, the Dallas, and he was he was trying to convince the the captain played by uh, Scott Glenn, Scott Glenn, yeah. like, all right, you, you, he's going to defect, and then it, like they they had to play this whole guessing game on whether they were actually going to defect or not, and then they ended up sending signals. Mm-hmm. So that that was a pretty good scene that comes to mind and then the during the climax when the americans got involved do you remember that mm-hmm. uh, where th- there's a great shot of uh james earl jones in like that control room or whatever you press that button and then it pans up to reveal james earl jones it's like now understand commander uh that torpedo did not uh that did not imp- uh did not explode it, it hit the hull and i was never here <laughs> he shows his credentials or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh yeah, just and isn't the whole movie like Jack Ryan's just trying to get home to his family for Christmas too? Kind of they kind of do that storyline. Uh, I don't I don't really think so actually. Oh, he he never we he never really mentioned. He's like Jack Ryan's always focused on the mission. Okay, because I thought it was like he's got like a teddy bear with him for his daughter or something. That's more that's at the end. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. You're forgiven. <laughs> and then another funny thing is Jack's Ryan fear of flying. Mm-hmm. It comes up a couple times, and there, there's this one scene I remember where it was like really bad turbulence in the helicopter, and this guy was eating like a candy bar. Oh, this, this is nothing. <laughs> and then Jack Ryan looks like he's ready to throw up or something. That's something that they 
have with his character for all the books and movies, right? Mm-hmm. That he's he gets air sickness or motion sickness. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all due because he was in a helicopter accident. Okay. Back uh, when he started with the uh, when he was in the navy or, or the uh, marines or something. Right. I'm not a huge expert on the character, so I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not either. Okay, so uh, I guess that we pretty much discussed it. So, Carter, how about you give your rating and why? Um. Okay, so I, I think I would give it like an, a 7.5 or 8 out of 10 stars, but out of 5, uh, probably probably 4-star film. Okay. Uh, like I said, it's it's just a, a really intelligent thriller, um, not your typical brainless action film. It's yeah. it's it's all about the strategy. It's all about the the character of uh, Captain Ramius and Jack Ryan, and it's it's a great ride. I really enjoy it whenever I sit down to watch it. For me, it's a five out of five. I can't find anything wrong with this film. Yeah, everything is. I can just put it in whenever I I will I'll always uh, enjoy it. Just the story's very engaging. Uh, the cinematography I really love, mm-hmm. and it just has a number of it has everything going for it. I'm just gonna say, like I I literally can't find anything wrong with just. It is kind of like even though it is a pretty well known film, it it does seem to be sort of sort of underrated. Like yeah, people don't talk about it in the same breath that they do like these other political or action thrillers, you know. And they should. Yeah. Like even Patriot Games, it seems like that's almost more famous than Hunford October. I guess just because Harrison Ford is in it. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not or, too sure. Or movies like Air Force One, they get all the attention and. Yeah, Air Force yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not even close to how good this one is. No. All right, so that's all we have for Hunford October. So coming on, coming up next is the topic of the week. So. Stay tuned for that. Nothing to do today. I'm so bored, and it's Tuesday. You see that every day, man. Don't you have anything going on in your life at all? No, what's there to do? Have you heard of Film Loop? What's that? It's a club that meets every Tuesday on Zoom. We talk about films, discuss different topics, and watch the latest movies. Jai, that sounds like fun. Now I can spice my life up a little. Now you are seeing the light at last. Come to Film Loop, everyone. It's a blast. But if you don't show, there will be no mercy. Hey guys, welcome back to Kima C Dragon Radio. This is David Haynes' Magical Movie Hour with special guest host, Carter Rockus. That's right. Okay, so let's get right into the topic, which is... Sean Connery in film. Sir Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yes. Of Scotland. <laughs> Famous Scottish actor. Yes. So, uh, uh, what a man. Yeah. What a man. <laughs> 90 years old. He lived to, born in 1930, died October Halloween of 2020. Yeah. He's seen it all. He saw the full range of, of, uh, of history. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But he... No, he was one of the one of the finest actors I think that's that's graced the screen honestly, or at least yeah. in terms of, um, in terms of how how iconic he is and le- how legendary his his presence has has oh, been yeah. over the last fifty sixty years. Yeah, um, a, he is a great actor, but he just his presence in general is just so legendary. He's got a great screen presence. Whenever he's on screen, everybody you just watch what he does. Yeah. So you, you, even um, in his earlier films, he's still got that too. Dario Gill and the Little People. Have you seen I, that? I have not. Have you? <laughs> it's a movie my dad made me watch when I was a kid. It's a, 
early Disney film from the 50s starring Sean Connery. It's like, I don't know what, I can't remember what the exact story is, but he's playing like just this dude who goes on an adventure with like miniature leprechauns or something like that. It's a really goofy, weird little movie, but <laughs> that's kind of kicked, it seems like that kind of kicked it off for him. And then, then of course he got Bond and got enormous oh yeah, worldwide fame. And then the 70s, he kind of like uh, quit playing Bond, started doing more of uh, character dramas for Sidney Lumet and yeah. um, films like that. And then he, he sort of sort of got back to his, his older style in the like the 80s and 90s, started doing more action films again. Yeah, um, especially in the uh, mid-90s. He was, he was, I think he was pretty much just doing action films. Yep, Hunt for Red October, The Rock couple other films uh michael i think it's called rising sun i've heard of that one michael based off a of michael crichton book and then his last film was the leave the league of extraordinary gentlemen which doesn't have a very good reputation have you seen that no i don't really want to, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's not very good but it's 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 something i guess it's his last film well did he at least make it entertaining he 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 did a good job for his part but okay yeah he should have definitely i think he should have ended it off on a better note. I know he was offered to do the um, the role in um, Skyfall of of I think it's Albert Finney ended yeah, up doing it at the James Bond's orphanage, the Skyfall orphanage. I think it's called, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's why the movie's called that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy who's like the caretaker of that orphanage, um, Sean Connery, was offered that role, but they thought it'd be maybe he thought it'd be too distracting if he if he showed up at that point in the film. I think at that point he was just too deep in retirement that he didn't really want to come out. Right. Because he was offered uh, to play Henry Jones Sr. again in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, that would have been amazing. He really should have. Yeah. The thing is, I think he was at that point, that was the one role he considered coming back from. Oh, come but on. He, it would have made the movie. I mean, I like that movie as it is, but he would have made it a lot better. He would. Uh, I wonder what he would do, though. The script, The story would have been different if he was involved, so. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be great, I think. Yeah, it kind of makes you think, would he have, like, a, a cameo or, like, a supporting role? You never know. Mm-hmm. At this point, you, you would have to ask Lucas or Spielberg or something. But I, I do love him as 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 Indiana Jones' father. That's perfect casting right there. Even mm-hmm. though he's only, like, something like 10 or 11 years older than Harrison Ford, it's yeah. still just great casting. One like, thing- like, no one... Like, who would, who would Harrison Ford, like, conceivably... Um, answer to other than Sean Connery. Yep. <laughs> like, who could be superior to him? Sean Connery. <laughs> it's perfect. Connery said something along the lines of, uh, if I'm his father, I did everything first and did it better. Yep. <laughs> so, so the, the, they both thought, yeah, this guy's perfect. Right. He knows the character. I love the, the part in The Last Crusade where they're both tied up to the chair. Oh, yeah. And what's her name? Elsa. Elsa. Yeah, she's like... Um, she says something like, "Ah, oh, yes, you're you're very good." I don't know. I don't think she says you're very good in bed, but she says something kind of risque. Yeah. And then they both think that she, that she's talking to them because they both <laughs> they've both been uh, intimate with her. Yeah. <laughs> and so, or or it's like, oh, how do you know that that about the Grail Diary? And, and then he says, oh, she talks in her sleep. Oh. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> they both. I didn't trust her. Why did you? Yeah. No, but it's the Jones family. They're players. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I would gladly watch a whole trilogy of them. Just oh yeah, the third one. Um, I mean, you can't beat Raiders of the Lost Ark, but the third, 
the third one, Last Crusade, is, is absolutely like the funniest and probably the most entertaining to watch just because of those two. Yeah, probably the funniest. It, th- their their dynamic is fantastic. Yeah. And just the scene too with um, the scene where the the German plane is coming right for them, and then they don't have Indies out of ammo. So yeah. his father comes up with the idea to like scare these birds into flying up there and oh yeah and crashing into the, the plane, and then what's his line? He's like strolling by and he's like, "The guard guard gave me the gift of the birds and the trees and the <laughs> Some, something along <laughs> something like that." And then yeah, it's I don't just, I don't it's I don't the recall best. the exact line. It's the best though. One funny thing I thought was hilarious was when uh, they were in the airplane and the the German you know you know airplanes were all firing at them and then. Uh, he uh, Connery accidentally shoots like the the tail. Mm. Dad, are we hit? Sorry, son. They got us. Sorry, son. They got us. <laughs> I should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. <laughs> Just take it easy. You think my son would be that much of a dolt to bring it here? Uh, you didn't uh, bring it, did you? Uh, you did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the best. Yeah, and then I suppose back at the time it was like kind of against the type too, mm-hmm. because you would think like Connery's like this cool. Yeah, he's still like just a couple years before that he played Bond for the last time. Yeah, I mean unofficially. Never say never. Never again. say never again. And then he goes from that to playing the the father figure, the elderly, yeah. elderly character. Kind of like a goofball. Yeah. So, but he's like we said earlier, he, the man's got range or had he range. He um, was a underrated character actor. Mm-hmm. Also, did you ever see the movie The Name of the Rose? I want to. That, that, my my uncle Jim um, is a huge fan of that movie and told me about it for years and recommended it to me and I watched it a year or two ago. Um, it's it's definitely a different role for Connor. He plays a monk investigating this mystery oh. in a monastery like in the 1500s. Um, it's a it's an interesting story. I've wanted to see that for a yeah. while. I don't know. It's it's one of those films you can't really go to your local Target and pick up. You definitely can't. I. In fact, the only way I could find it was to uh, find a, a an old VHS of it. Really? Yeah. Mm. Which I can't even. I might have even gotten rid of that now, so Ooh. I don't have access to it. But yeah, that's one of his underrated films. Um, there's there's oh. a film I'd like to see called The Russia House. I never. Where heard it's of that him one. and him and Michelle Pfeiffer. I oh. haven't seen it, but I'd like to get get around to it at some point. There's one film he made in 1981 called Outland. I've mm-hmm. been telling you guys. Yeah, you that. have told me about that before. It's like a great sci-fi western where Connery's. It's like high noon, but in in a space station. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a great film. And then there's that one weird movie that people meme all the time. Zardos. Zardos, <laughs> where he's like running around the whole movie in like a a jock strap or something. Yeah, that's uh. It's like a weird sci-fi movie. Curious film. Have you seen it? No. I've... Okay. What's it even? Do you know what it's about? Not exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't either. It's a mysterious, bizarre-looking film. John Borman. John Borman. Yep. Yeah. The the guy himself. He directed a number of a wide range of films, like from Deliverance to Excalibur to that one. Right. So Exorcist he, Two, as well. That was not good. Yeah. No, don't. That's so I've heard. Yeah. Everybody, don't watch Exorcist Two. You're wasting your time. Just in fact, like uh, I want to say, two months ago, were we celebrating? Like in in uh, in honor of Connery's ninetieth birthday, we watched the, the offense. Was I it be, was it because of that, or just because we felt like watching it? I, I guess we just said, "No, I want to watch that." Yeah. So, not exactly. That was one of his first movies after playing Bond in Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. Um, 
and that was certainly a step outside of his usual role. Yeah, he was great in that one. Yeah, too. he was. I mean, he was the highlight of it. They, I I wouldn't say it was a great film, but he was he he made it what it was for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite Bond film of him? Oh boy, that's that's a tough thing because I like I'm a huge fan of James Bond. I like he's my favorite Bond, and I like all a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. For me, it's between From Rush with Love and Thunderball. Really? Yeah. For me, it's between um, it's probably like a three way tie. Okay. Uh, Goldfinger. From Rush with Love and Diamonds Are Forever. I know a lot of people meme that one and think it's terrible, but I think it's just got the balance of like for people for people who like the Roger Moore films, yeah, like that goofy, campy side of Bond, which I'm not really a fan of, but um, it can be fun. And then it, it's it kind of has the best of both worlds. This Diamonds Are Forever. It has a little bit of a flavor of the the Roger Moore films, but then also like the earlier Connery films. Yeah, and I, it's just to me, it's got a, a great adventure to it. That for- one. For me, I do like that film, but I have to be in the right mood to watch it. Because mm-hmm. there's some days where it's like I I uh, watch the movie, I'm like, nah, I don't want to. I don't really feel like it's kind of dumb. Yeah. But then it's like when I watch it, like maybe the next day, I'm like, yeah, I'm having a good time. Yeah. But otherwise, um, from Russia with Love has the best storyline, I think, of any Bond film. Goldfinger is the most iconic, though, easily. Yeah. Love Goldfinger. It's the best. Goldfinger is pretty good, but my dad, uh, I was talking to him a couple days ago, and he told me that. Um, like after the the news of Sean Connery passing on, he he was watching Goldfinger because it's it's the best one, basically. Yeah, yeah that's the one that I think set the standard for mm-hmm. Bond films going forward. Because Doctor No and From Russia with Love were both more ter- turns like espionage spy films. Yeah, where Goldfinger was the first adventure. And didn't Goldfinger also kind of like set the trends yeah. of a lot of the Bond films? Like they had the opening scene. And the theme song, I think it was the was it the first one with the theme song? No, that's uh, James Bond theme originated with Doctor No. No, but the theme like the Goldfinger title song being played throughout the film during the opening credits, because from Rush with Love, I don't think it had a song. No. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you're right. And then it has you know the scene where Q is showing him all the gadgets. I don't think they had done that before. Q was in from Rush with Love, but in. Uh, Goldfinger is the first time you really had a personality. Sure, yeah. But, I mean, like, so they, they introduced, like, the gadgets, like, the laser. The, there's, like, a watch, I think, and what? Uh, from what I remember, there was, of course, the classic uh, uh, Aston Martin DB5. Yep. They had the uh, magnetic tracking devices. Yeah, so uh, that's another thing I was going to say. Like, it's the first one with the where he gets an iconic car. Yeah. Like, so it, it just set the the standard. And then it's also... Uh, the ma- the leading Bond girl has a, a goofy double entendre name that mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we can say on here, but yeah, I don't know <laughs> if we can. <laughs> yeah, if you're curious, just uh, check out Goldfinger on Wikipedia or IMDb. Yeah, you'll find but it. But it's set. It's set. That's another one of the ways that it set the standard for Bond movies to come. Yeah, and the reason why I think Thunderballs for me is is a little better. Maybe it's because it's the first James Bond movie I saw. Mm-hmm. But I think it improves upon gold. What the Goldfinger did. I also really enjoy "You Only Live Twice." That's a good I, one. I too. think that one's underrated. Mm-hmm. Written the script was written by Roald Dahl yeah. as well, which people don't realize. the The guy who wrote Willy Wonka, James and the Giant Peach, all those classic kids stories. He he wrote the script for this um, Bond movie. Apparently, he was good friends with Ian Fleming. Makes sense. And Makes uh, sense. I've read somewhere that uh, Roald Dahl was like, "Yeah, I don't like the book at all. I'm going to change everything." <laughs> I, for a film, it's like yeah, I gotta, I gotta start somewhere else. 
you know what we should have done, David? We should have prepared one of the the James Bond title songs for this show. Oh, we could have. Yeah. Goldfinger, maybe. Or uh, or Diamonds Are Forever, both by Shirley Bassey. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. probably the, the best. S- still alive, I think, too. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, Goldfinger's the classic Bond song, but I do like Diamonds Are Forever a little that the song mm-hmm. a little better. I don't know how about you. Um, what's the what's your question? The qu- uh, the song more yeah. than the movie? No, not not the movie. Just comparing the songs themselves. Oh yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yep. What el- what else? Um, what other Sean Connery films would you recommend? What do you think might be overlooked gems? Overlooked gems. Uh, oh, definitely what I've said before, like uh, Outland. Uh. He played Robin Hood actually in Robin and Marion. That's that could be interesting to check out. Seventies era. Yep, seventy six, I believe. Okay, I I thought of one. I I forgot about until this moment. But the man who would be king with Sean Connery and Michael Caine is a, is a great that. movie. Really fun adventure. Um, I'd love to see that one again. That's that's highly recommended. John Huston directed it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, so it's got a number of things going for it. Oh yeah. Uh. I wouldn't recommend watching Never See Never Again. That's waste of time. Yeah. Yep. There's only like a, a couple little things in there that I liked. Mm-hmm. Like mainly just Connery and what he does. And of course, The Rock. I love The, the Rock. Rock. Yeah. It's a fantastic film. Michael Bay's only good film. You can put me yep. on record as saying that. It's his only good film. I love the, that movie, The Rock, with him and Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. Kind of a unlikely duo but it works i try to watch that movie now like once a summer it's just like the perfect summer blockbuster for me (laughs) it's got all the right vibes and that was his last action movie too well if you don't count um uh league of extraordinary gentlemen oh that's true that's true because i i read somewhere that he was like done with action films after the rock but i guess extraordinary gentleman was his last 2003 yeah oh he was actually offered uh to be in lord of the rings too and Matrix. Yeah. And Star Trek Five. Oh, yeah. He was supposed to be a cyborg. Okay. But I guess he declined for some reason. That, w- that would have been kind of interesting. Captain Kirk. How- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sean, though, he had bigger ambitions, I mm-hmm. suppose. And I think the reason why he took uh, A League of Extraordinary, Extraordinary Gentlemen was because he passed on Lord of the Rings. So he needed just a little something for the paycheck. Yeah, yeah. No, he's more like, well, I wanna, I wanna be in that next big, big thing, like a, this next big uh, film series. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, uh, this is gonna be it, right? <laughs> I know he the the last thing he did though. A lot of people don't know this, but the last movie he ever did was like this random Scottish CGI film, oh, Sir that, Billy. That came out in 2012, and it looks like absolute garbage. Yeah. He probably only did it just because of like, oh, it's Scotland's first like animated film. And they don't have much of an, a, a film industry over there, so yeah, he wanted to help him out. Yep, give him a little boost. And the thing that most people don't know is that um, he asked really for a bit really big paycheck for Diamonds Are Forever. He got like 1.2 million, mm-hmm. which was pretty big back in the day. But he actually donated it to like the Scottish film, uh, film school or whatever. Good man. So he he isn't just about the money. Nope, good man. Uh, yeah, it's it's comforting to know though that he went out peacefully. Didn't, yeah, didn't die of COVID or anything. He just died in his sleep in the Bahamas, chilling at Nassau, I, I believe. What Nassau? Oh, okay. which is a city in the Bahamas, I believe. 
So he was relaxing, just having mm-hmm. a just vibing in his retirement. <laughs> and uh, did you know that Ian Fleming he didn't really want Connery to be Bond at first? Uh, based on just he wanted he wanted some someone he didn't want a Scot a Scottish actor to be. Bond. Oh, didn't he want Roger Moore originally? But he was busy with the Saint. I don't know yeah. what the reason was, but uh, Ian Fleming was so impressed with Connery and Doctor No, he wrote a Scottish background for the character. In on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the the novel. Ah, interesting. So, that, that's kind of a cool thing where Fleming looks like he at first he d- didn't really think Connery could pull it off, but he's like, oh wow, wow, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. This guy's pretty cool. But yeah, just like it's you know for generations he was, he was so many people's like childhood heroes. Yeah. You know, like my even for my my dad and my uncle, and then for all the generations between, and then you and I even. Yeah. We we we. Are fans of Sean Connery. Oh, definitely. Growing up watching Indiana Jones and the Bond films that he did. It's rare nowadays to get that like big screen presence, mm-hmm. that that kind of actor. Oh, there's not many like movie stars anymore. No, like there are actors and there are celebrities, but not the same way that there used to be. Yeah, it's not this like cool, confident no actor who would like just who whatever movie they make makes a huge yeah. truckload of money. He would, he or she would dominate the screen, mm-hmm. like every second they're on it. Where it's like nowadays, like a lot of actors, like they, they're more character actors. I would say. Did you ever see his um, Oscar role in The Untouchables? No, but Brian, it's Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. Ba- Brian De Palma. Yeah, Brian De Palma, one of my favorite directors, made that film. Where have he, you seen he, it? I have. Yeah, he plays a Scottish cop in Chicago, um, working to take down Al Capone, played by Robert De Niro. It's a great cast. It's a Really good film. I still got to watch that. You yeah, kind of have to now. <laughs> uh, spoilers, but his his death scene is really brutal. Sean really? Connery, yeah, in that film, Mach- gets machine gunned. Ooh, to that's death. that's yep. a tough way to go out. Pretty bad. Is it kind of like what happened to Sonny in The Godfather? Similar. Yep. Oh, that that was pretty brutal too. Wild times back in the Prohibition. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so we're. Coming up on three thirty, so any final thoughts on like any any other films that you would recommend with Connery in it? Um, or just why don't you stall for a minute while I I'll stall while I check to see if there's any other Connery sure. films I'm missing. So, um, I had recently seen uh Connery in a film called Cuba that was directed by Richard Lester of all people. Uh, so that film was, you know, I don't think it was that great, but uh, Connery was definitely uh. He's pretty solid in that film. Oh yeah, there's an- another one, uh, The Wind and the Lion. The Wind and the Lion, yes, yeah. same same year as um, Man Who Would Be King, and they're kind of s- similar storylines, like s- sweeping adventure epics. Wind and we watched that together last year, and it's it's a great film. I'd like to see it again. Yeah, um, I would have liked to see Connery have a little more screen time, but it is what it is. One of his last films was um, Finding Forrester. Okay. Um, good film. I've uh, also seen uh, Just Cause with, uh, I want to say Lawrence Fishburne was also in that film. Okay. Uh, that wasn't really notable, but, you know, it was another film that uh, Sean was in. <clears throat> Otherwise, um, uh, oh, well, we'll have to shout out just because I know Hayden's a fan of this one. Time, Time, ba- Time Bandits, which I, I have seen, but it's been a long time. I don't remember much from it. That one's classic. Terry Gilliam. So what happens in it? 
Like what's what's the story exactly? Well, I can just read you the scenario oh, here sure. from Letterboxd. Um, young history buff Kevin can scarcely believe it when six dwarfs emerge from his closet one night. Former employees of the Supreme Being, they've purloined a map charting all of the holes in the fabric of time and are using it to steal treasures from different historical eras. Taking Kevin with them, they variously drop in on Napoleon, Robin Hood, and King Agamemnon before the Supreme Being catches up with them. And Sean Connery plays King Agamemnon. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Terry Gilliam, that he's with Monty Python, right? Monty Python, and he, he was actually born in Minneapolis. Oh, nice. Yeah, from Minneapolis. So it just goes to show that people in Minnesota have great film careers. The Coen brothers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, I think we've covered it pretty much every everything uh, except for the vague details. So, yeah. The the what details? The, just the smaller details. Oh, yeah. You know, films that Connery may have been in but didn't really leave that much of an impact are just obscure. Right. We haven't seen yet. Okay, so I think that's all we have time for today. So, Carter, thanks for coming to co-host with me today. Of course, sir. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. Yep, rest in peace, definitely. A we'll great, miss you. Great actor. Great man. And it's unfortunate that uh, he had a pass in 2020. Yeah, what a bad year for him to go. I know. Not a very hopeful time for humanity. No, definitely not. Okay, so uh, uh, that's it for today. Um Coming up uh, after our outro, I'll be playing the uh, Radio Drummer preview again. So uh, don't tr uh, don't turn the dial just yet. Thank you for tuning in to David and Haynes Magical Movie Hour. Our new airtime now is from 2.30 to 3.30 every Friday on KMSC Dragon Radio. We're also sponsored by Film Loop, which meets every Tuesday on Zoom. So... With that information, we must part ways, but we will return in one week. Thanks for listening! What I'm about to tell you will sound far-fetched, fantastical, but deeply disturbing. You may even say that this story is nothing but fiction. Trust me, whoever's listening to this... I would gladly tell you what happened was just written by an author with a vivid mind. Indeed, the events that happened all those years ago were real and had consequences attached. I implore you, suspend your contemporary reasoning, for it will do you no good. The forces at play here are not modern, lack civility. Without further delay, let me take you back 20 years ago. It was late in the evening when the mysterious package arrived upon the doorstep of Dr. Vincent Thorne, a wealthy scientist who was an expert in the fields of biology and chemistry. His genius was immense, but his ego and obsession far outstretched the earlier quality mentioned. Thorne lived in a large, dark mansion which was 20 miles away from the nearest town. The doctor preferred that way. No interruptions from his work. He lived by himself the exception of a team of servants, which were in his employ. The butler, Drake, was the most trusted of the servants, but then again, Thorne's trust only went so far. Drake was the one who discovered the package that next morning. 
the old man picked it up and went inside. Thorne had told him that a small package would be expected soon. Drake knew that this was it due to the strange wrapping. The butler took the elevator to Thorne's main office, which the man devoted a lot of his time in. The doors opened, and Drake approached the office with extreme caution. He paused for a moment, took a breath, and opened the door slowly. Dr. Thorne was in the middle of writing a series of reports that he would later submit to some investors. Uh, sir, is this a good time? The doctor looked up, annoyed that he had just been disturbed, but tolerated it. I'll take a break for a minute. What is it? I wanted to let you know, sir, that the invitations have been sent. Good. And the catering has also been taken care of? Uh, yes, sir. I was on the phone with them just over an hour ago. Thorne nodded nonchalantly. He could hear less of these small details. Good, good. Anything else that needs my attention? I don't believe so, sir. The doctor returned to his work. Carry on, then. Drake turned to leave, just as Thorne glanced over for a brief moment. The doctor did a double take. His attention was fixed on the object in Drake's grasp. Wait. Is that the package I ordered? Drake looked down in confusion and saw that he had forgotten about the package. Embarrassed, Drake attempted to stay face. I'm sorry, sir. It must have slipped my mind. You have gone through a great deal of trouble to get this. Thorne snatched the package away, surprising Drake with the doctor's sudden burst of intensity. Everything was still for a moment as Drake stood there awkwardly and Thorne was in a complete awe of what orders before him. Finally, the doctor spoke. Yes. There was another moment of stillness. I think I shall get out of your hair. You, of course, look rather busy. The, the beans are about to go over boil. I better go. Thorne didn't notice the fact that Drake had left the office. His attention was still focused on the package in his hands. He was in this state for a couple long minutes. The object within the package was a great source of knowledge, but had the potential to do a lot of harm when placed in the wrong hands. Thorne's hands were never meant to hold this object, but due to some strange circumstances, the package fell into the ambitious man's possession. Mm -hmm.